Hello, everybody. This is Sports Council. I'm Matt, and I'm here with G, and we're going to be discussing the NFL schedule. How are you, G? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. I'm excited for today's episode. I um, love talking division winners. Always a fun thing to talk about. Playoff predictions, the biggest controversial thing. Everybody thinks their team's going to make it. So. Oh, I know my team's going to make it, honestly. Either way, you know, <laughs> we have – exactly, exactly. We're going to be talking, as you said, we're going to be predicting the NFL regular season and how the entire playoffs is basically going to shake out. We're going to pick the division winners for each conference. And, you know, there's a new playoff format, as I was recently just made aware. Seven teams are going to make it this year, and it's going to shake up the playoffs a little bit, but we still believe that we have our division winners here. And it does make that one seed more valuable, uh, being the only seed to get a bye coming from the regular season. So, you know, you'll probably see a bunch of teams not coast at the end of the season, like you tend to see. Mm -hmm. um, I think a good example would be the Patriots at the end of every year. But exactly. I think there is a little bit, a lot more intensity for that first uh, seed because that's the only one with home field advantage and a bye this year. But let's just kick it off. You know, we know that some of these teams are pretty likely to make the playoffs again. So we're just going to gloss over those right now, and we're just going to focus on the more controversial ones here. Let's start off with the one that is always exciting right until the mediocre end, the NFC East. All right? I think always we got two interesting teams. Ones. Yeah, I think we got two teams here, right? So who do you got winning the division? Um, I got Philadelphia Eagles, and I know history wouldn't be on my side because there's never been a repeat winner in the NFC East um, for this whole last decade, but it's a new decade, so time for new results. I think the Eagle, Eagles just showed last year with a weaker roster than the Cowboys that they're able to win bigger games and more meaningful games when the Jets lost, when the Cowboys lost to the Jets and then the Cowboys a week 17. You know, those are two big games you have to win. And I think that shows what all I needed to see for the Cowboys. And, you know, Eagles were decimated with injuries and still found ways to win. And if they can just stay a little bit healthy, they should be able to compete for one of the, you know, I would say maybe three or four seed in the um, overall playoff. But who do you got coming out the NFC East? That's an interesting one because I actually have the Eagles not even in the playoffs. And I think usually that's the case, right? We only see one NFC East team come in and um, it's usually the division winner. And you're right on that point that there's no NFC East repeat winner for like, I don't know, for years now, right? And I think that the Cowboys, I feel like they're on paper, they're the more talented team. On paper, that's what everyone was saying last year too between the Cowboys and the Eagles. I backed the Cowboys last year as well because they were the more talented team. The thing is, you know, they were held back by coaching, right? Two words, the clapper, Jason Garrett. He was never the best coach, even though he somehow, I believe, I think he has a couple of Coach of the Year awards back there. And he's made the first seed a couple of times. But at the same time, you never felt the sense that you would be the best team out there just because you had the best coaching in the league. So I don't believe that, you know, because Jason Garrett isn't there, I believe that the Cowboys are already a lot better, basically, because of him. So now let's talk about the coaching change, right? You got Mike McCarthy there. Mike McCarthy is a proven coach, and he has won a Super Bowl before. And I think he has the experience and the necessity to bring the Cowboys to the next level. 
I'm not talking, you know, first seed, second seed in their first year with him. Obviously, you know, it's a different situation right now, and it's probably going to be harder for them to adjust. But at the same time, I just really just love the talent that the Cowboys possess. And I think right now with the Eagles, you said it yourself, right? They're usually pretty injury prone. They were really injury prone last year. But the, the other problem was that they didn't really have enough weapons for Carson Wentz. And I think that with Jalen Rager in there, they brought Jalen Rager in there. But right now, he's also hurt. And at the same time, I don't think he's just enough to bring the Eagles back into the playoffs right now. It's going to be a tough um, My thing where I would, I would okay. debate you on the Cowboys is I agree with you about the talents of the Cowboys, which I don't think anybody can deny. Um, but you have to remember... They lost um, Charles Frederick, their Hall of Fame. Center, yes. Right? That's a big loss. Mm-hmm. And then um, they picked up CD Lamb, right? And I think that's a great addition to their offense. But if you look statistically with their coach and what they did last year, their offense isn't where the problem is for me. It's really for me in the secondary where losing Byron Jones and you didn't go out in the first round and get someone to address that instead just offense where it had 4,900 yards from a quarterback and 1,300 from a running back, you know. I understand Mike McCarthy's offensive guy, but offense wasn't really their problem under Jason Garrett. I think most of it was really their defense, and I just have a lot of question marks about them, and they're going to be playing, you know, big games like they always do, and at the end of the day, I trust Carson Wentz more than I trust Dak Prescott, and I trust Doug Peterson even more than McCarthy, even though you know, both of them do have their own respective Super Bowl ring, but I don't know. For me, it comes down to big game. I know I think I know Carson Wentz will deliver for me compared to you know Dak Prescott, Mike McCarthy, and you, you're really kind of on the edge there. I would argue that yes, I would probably prefer Carson Wentz over Dak Prescott, but the thing is, who would I see as available? I think for the entire stretch of the season, and I question right now Carson Wentz's durability as everyone should right now because I don't think he's made it to a full season the past couple of years right now Mm -hmm. so you're gonna have to question you know is he gonna be able to make it throughout this entire season and if so you know again Philadelphia just seems very bugged out with the injury bug here and I don't know if like they again talent is important and I know it's not everything but I think that if you don't have the depth of talent as well when the injury bug does hit, and it will, and as well as the COVID bug, you are going to see a stretch where, you know, if you don't have enough talent on the field, you're not going to stay out there. And I know they play the same teams, right? They play the NFC West. Both of them play the NFC West, which I think is one of the toughest divisions to face. And they play the AFC North. But exactly. Exactly. So it's basically up I mean, to, like, how much can your talent carry you, I think. To that right. Point. And, I mean, I think, I think last year is a big – um, indicator for what I, for me personally, you know, you, you seen last year what the Eagles did with maybe 50% of the offense. So maybe if they don't get maybe the fast 75% of the offense, they would even be better, you know. Um, I just don't see how the Cowboys, which last year, you know, they had great stats. I just don't see what Mike McCarthy is really changing there and how that impact is going to really translate to wins. And that kind of what scares me the most, you know. Maybe you want to answer that question like where do you see Mike McCarthy taking this offense to the next level you know because Dak did have 4,900 yards last year 30 touchdowns 11 interceptions so I mean he's playing great football already which is not the problem it's just big games you know why most of his stats are 
similar to the last quarterback under the franchise tag, that of Kirk Cousins, you know, a lot of garbage time stats. And, you know, we don't trust Kirk Cousins in big games. And I think kind of Dak Prescott's got that same kind of thing to him going. I think he needs to just be in a position where, you know, he's not, he doesn't have to be in like the clutch time moments, right? If you can put the game away earlier, then you wouldn't be in the position, right? Right. And I think Mike McCarthy, in terms of just competent coaching, I just never had the sense that Jason Garrett knew what he was really doing. And I felt like you always had to question his moves and always, there's always some kind of personnel thing that, you know, he never got, right? And it's just a mismanagement of talent. I think that, you know, with Mike McCarthy, I think we're just going to see a more calmer hand at the wheel. We're just going to see him just let Dak be Dak and just let him do his thing out there, right? We've seen Dak do his thing. That's my thing. Like, mm-hmm. It's not like Dak's a first-year, second-year player, and we haven't seen him. We've seen him as a rookie in 2017, you know, um, have one of the better rookie um, seasons of all time. You know, the AP Offensive Rookie of the Year. And last year at the 4,900 yards, you know, I'm not going to go over all his numbers again, but, you know, he, he's had his great seasons. It's just that it just doesn't translate to wins. And his defense did not get better. It got worse. They don't have many players in the secondary. So if teams are down, they're not going to have a big challenge passing on you guys, which is my problem for the Cowboys. And they're not going to be able to score in bunches as much as other teams will be able to on their defense. Mm-hmm. That's what scares me. I mean, also, I do think it's only going to be a game, maybe two two games, dividing this team. I think it'll be very similar to what we saw last year, where only a fourth season to make it, you know, and the other team probably not be in the playoff like thing bracket. And, you know, it could go either way. It always comes down to injuries and who peaks at the right time of the season. And I don't think, you know, overall any of these teams are going to make much of an impact. Whereas the next division, you know, we got some powerhouses in, in the NFC South. We got, you know, everybody's newly loved team, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers versus the classic New Orleans playoff chokers, Saints. <laughs> who do you got in that hmm. one? Hmm. I wonder who you have in that one, G. <laughs> I, I have the Saints, obviously, and I have them in a very favorable position. I have them as a number one seed here and our coveted wow. home field advantage. Saints fans would love that. I think, you know, this is Breeze's last year, right? And no matter how much, I, that's what I believe is going to happen because I think that, you know, he was really deliberating on that choice this year. And I think that he's saying one more go, give it one more go. I was a little bit worried about his production near the end of the year, but, you know, that could also just be because he's coming back from, um, I believe, his thumb injury, right? So, you know, it could be just because of that. Either way, I think the Saints are one of the most complete teams in the NFL. They still got that incredible coach in Sean Payton. And I think that, again, consistency is key, especially when it comes to this year, because when you have a lot of different players learning like new systems, right, and you go into a different team with that stuff, I think that talent and coaching are going to be the biggest things that you have to have consistently. You can't turn over too many starters and you can't, turnover basically a coach in a new system that's why i'm doubting right now tampa bay even though i still have them in the playoffs i believe as my fifth seed i think that there's a lot of new factors coming in there and you know you got arians you got godwin and you got evans but brady 
he this is the first time he's ever going to learn a new system, right? That's not the Patriots' way of doing things. He's mm-hmm. obviously super committed to it. Um, he's breaking all the laws out there, right? And then he's having trouble finding his playbook and being in the right <laughs> house. In the right house, exactly. And then you you see all these things, right? But at the same time, you know, you bring that guy in, you bring Fournette in, you bring Gronk in, and you can call this a super team. You can call this kind of like, dare I say, the 2011 Philadelphia Eagles dream team. Or, you know, even more recently, the Browns of last year, right? The thing is, like, I worry that the hype is a little too much right now, especially since, you know, there's so many new confounding factors, right. especially affecting this season. See, I'm going to have to disagree with you. And, okay. Um, I'm going to give you an example there. And I, by disagreeing with you, I will be taking the Buccaneers to win the division. And the Saints will be my fifth seed, kind of vice versa. I agree with you that the team will probably end up being a one of the five seed. You know, it would be similar to the Seahawks and Niners last year where they competed for the one seed. And sadly, whoever lost had to be the fifth seed. I agree. And um, I just see the Buccaneers as the, what is it, 2013 Broncos with Peyton Manning with 50 touchdowns, you know, and a great defense behind him. Um, I think, you know, Tom Brady's obviously – comparable to Peyton Manning in their IQ level and preparation and you'll see that very good execution by our team you won't see the sloppy turnovers obviously that they had last year Winston I took them out of so many drives you're going to see them finish drives you know I don't think they're going to be like the eye-popping fantasy numbers that Peyton Manning had that year with the 50 touchdowns and you know with Demarius Thomas getting like 17-18 and Julius Thomas giving us so many I think it'll be similar um, I think they'll have a lot of success. Their defense is great with Shaquille Berry, sack leader last year, very similar to Vaughn Miller off the edge. And, you know, Devin White and Avante David in the middle has always been a reliable middle linebacker for the Bucks. It just – their defense and offense is just sound, and I really like what they got going on. Um, you compared it to the Browns. I've seen a lot of people compare it to the Browns. Mm-hmm. But, you know um, – with the teams that you mentioned, with the Eagles 2011 and the Browns 2019, you don't, you don't, you have young and you know Im- immature players. Where in the Buccaneers you have you know one of the best quarterbacks of all time, if not the best. You have the guy that you know brings that mentality that spreads around the team that's going to make them want to win. You know he brings an attitude and a culture to the Buccaneers that they've never seen since John Gruden left. So I just. I think it's going to click for them, you know, success down the postseason, you know, that might go maybe further towards the Saints, you know, because they have longevity and play bigger games together. But I just think regular season wins, I think the Buccaneers are going to be number one seed. See, yeah, the thing is, again, I don't want to hate on the Buccaneers here because I still have them as a fifth seed. And like G said, I think that, you know, it's going to be a tough schedule basically going all the way down to the stretch. It might be decided by the last game, just like with the Niners and the Seahawks here. So again, with the Eagles and the Cowboys too, I think it's going to be a close game, like Division Two to win. Again, with the Buccaneers though, I think the only thing that concerns me, other than you know all the other like confounding factors here, I think first of all, you know when you bring in like examples of like a team kind of coming together in the off season and then being projected to be one of the biggest teams ever, right? There's obviously there's the Broncos who were eventually successful. They weren't successful in that year personally, but they were successful, I think, two years later. Not um, a year after. Yeah. 
the Super Bowl forty eight and then Super Bowl fifty, right? Right. Yeah. So then, yeah, a couple like two years later, and then, you know, you can also bring in the example of the Rams two years ago, right? Who brought in a bunch of studs, and look, this one has non Kongsu as well, right? So, but the thing is, again, I don't, I question Tampa Bay's cohesiveness as a team as well as um, the secondary. I'm not too keen on their secondary right now. They have the best run defense in the league, and I absolutely agree with that. And it's because they have Vita Vea and they have Ndam Kinsu there, right? And they had the best run defense in the league, but they had the worst passing defense in the league. And they got Antoine Winfield Jr. there, who's a rookie, I believe. Mm-hmm. I don't know. He's a starter right now. So, starter, yeah. yeah, so I'm kind of still worried about what how much improvements did they make basically on the back end of that secondary yeah i mean their secondary has been young in the recent times but you know with my concerns with the saints is that how repeatable are these number one and two seasons going to be for you guys you know because mm-hmm. at a certain point i think they realize like whatever they do in the regular season does not matter for them and you know the kind of LeBron and the Laker type of thing. Coast, you don't coast, but you win the games and then you move on. You're not here to destroy teams. And if you lose an extra game, it's okay because you're playing for the playoffs. And it doesn't matter if you're the one seed winning the Super Bowl or the five seed winning the Super Bowl. Your main goal is winning the Super Bowl. Whereas the Buccaneers need to get some wins under their belt so they can gel together, you know, because success is the best way to gel. And I just, for that reason you know that's the big difference between a 12 win team and a 13 win team for me and then you know it could easily be 13 and 3 at the one seed and 12 and 4 at the five seed so you know yeah. i mean might... i mean i think that the drive of the saints i i don't think they're gonna lebron coast because that's a different kind of coast but i think they can't afford to be the fifth seed because we've seen that the last five super bowl winners have all been one seeds or two seeds right now and now you don't have the advantage of being a two seed anymore it's most likely going to be the one seed. Yeah, but if you think about it, if you're the five seed and 12 and four, you have the second best record. You're technically the second best team. So, you know, if you're one seed loses, you are still the second best team, even though, you know, you're technically by seed and you're the fifth seed. But, yeah, but know, the thing is, yeah, you have to play like an extra playoff game and it's on the road and then the rest of your time is on the road, right? So it's it's yeah. kind of hard. It's, it's definitely a hard path here. Yeah, I mean, of course, that's the dynamics with the playoffs, but it's going to be close, I think, either way. It could easily, you know, have one injury and then, you know, Saints go forward into the game, Brady misses the game or anything. So mm-hmm. it could lose either way. I think it's a toss-up, but I just like the Buccaneers. Yeah, yeah. And I think it's definitely a coin flip right now because it's also a decision of, you know, whose roster maybe declines first, I think. Because right. you got two old quarterbacks there. You don't know. Maybe one of them is not going to give it uh, his best, maybe, there, even though he really wants to. We've seen the decline, and it's happened fast. You know, it's Manning mm-hmm. right there. And he won a Super Bowl somehow. So there you go. But let's, let, let's talk about the Falcons for a second here. Like, do we think the Falcons are going to make it at all? I have the Falcons making it. Do you? Um, like, what do you think? For me, I see the Falcons competing. Um, they're also one of those teams that always have a big injury bug, you know, always lose a bunch of starters on different sides of the field. They're top-heavy, um, like they've always been. They don't have depth at key positions like running back and receiver. You know, if the guy goes down for them, they're kind of they're kind of on thin ice at that position. Um, 
their defense really last year was hurt with Keanu Neal and Deion Jones both being injured. They will, I mean, hopefully stay healthy this season and be great players, which they are. But it's just you got to play the Bucks twice, the Saints twice, the Panthers twice. It's just even if you, you know, beat the Bucks twice, you could lose the Saints twice, you know, and what is that really doing for you there in your division? You're going to have a lot of tough games already guaranteed. And, you know, this Atlanta Falcons have been notorious chokers. So, what's that? Well, I said they've been notorious chokers. Oh, you know, oh yes. And they'll figure out a way to mess it up. I'm sure Tom will do a couple of his own comebacks again this year against them. Bring back some mm-hmm. PTSD. <laughs> I have the Falcons as a wild card seed. I think they're the seventh seed for me. And I like them, honestly, to it, like in full admittance, you know, I'm a biased 49ers fan. So some of these takes are not going to be super objective here, even though I somehow have the Cowboys winning the division. Either way, I think that the Falcons are going to make it just because I really love their offense. I think they're dynamic there. And they finally got rid of Steve Sarkeesian. So I think it's just going to be a little bit better. And no more no touchdowns for Julio there. And I think that against... Um, yeah. solved. What's that? I said that's a big problem that needs to be solved for the Falcons. They need to get the best guy in the end zone. Exactly. And then you have the defenses, some key components that are coming back, right? Keanu Neal, as you mentioned before. I don't see them beating the Saints or the Bucks too often, so that's why I have them as a seventh seed. Let's move on, though. Let's go on to the AFC South here. A lot of big moves happened here, and I don't think it's appreciated enough here. The Colts got DeForest Buckner. The Texans got rid of DeAndre Hopkins, both on the same day. And the Jaguars mm-hmm. got rid of Nganque and uh, a bunch of other people. Hornet, so, yeah. And then don't forget the Titans didn't make many big acquisitions until two days ago when they picked up Jadavion Clowney. Oh, and yeah. They you know, made some of the biggest controversial extensions with Tannehill. And then they obviously had to go re-sign Derrick Henry. They, made their guy, they signed their guys. So they're stuck with them. They like them. Um, but I do not happen to like them. I have the Texans winning. Uh, you know, people are going to be like, oh, but they have no DeAndre Hopkins, and they don't really have a real number one, which I do understand. But I think you're going to see one of those seasons, um, very MVP-caliber-like seasons from Deshaun Watson, where even though his talent isn't better this year, but it's kind of because his, team, his talent around him is lower, it makes him step his game up which only end up benefiting the team because he's given a higher workload. You know, he will, I think, have a really, really dependent on him. You know, the run game won't be the greatest with David Johnson and Duke Johnson. And, you know, maybe Fuller or Cooks are not the greatest reliable, healthy receivers out there. But if healthy and strong going, their offense is something we reckon with, I think, you know. You know, you don't have to know that if it's third and long, the ball is going to DeAndre Hopkins, you double team him which is a lot of the Texans' offense last year, where it's DeAndre Hopkins, DeAndre Hopkins, DeAndre Hopkins, and if we can't get a team, we're kind of screwed, you know? Mm-hmm. It's the, you know, Will Fuller could take you over the top. Cooks could take you over the top over there. you got Stills in the slot, and David Johnson out the backfield, Deshaun Watson with the mobile legs. That kind of gives you that, okay, we don't know who to focus in on, and week by week, you could have someone go off. And I think, you know, they can take advantage of the hype that they have around them, 
that like, oh, you guys are underdogs. They're not going to do anything. You know, you lost Jahan Hopkins. Bill O'Brien's not the greatest GM, but he is a good offensive coach and knows how to run an offense properly, which I don't think he's enough credit for because how bad he is at a GM. But his offense has always been really good. And I think, you know, a lot of it had to do with Hopkins wanting his touches, which it deserves. He's a great receiver, top three probably. And so it's like now you have full playbook. Deshaun Watson just got signed, and he has so much talent, I think. And I think he's going to have maybe top two or three MVP season. I do agree that the run game will get better with David Johnson there. But as well as the fact that David Johnson is also an injury risk. So we got to think about that. Yeah, of um, Yeah. I think that the offense will be fine because I think that Deshaun Watson can and will carry that team. Again, consistency, consistency, consistency. I'm going to keep preaching this. The Texans have the same system as they did last year. They mostly have the same talent as they did last year. So they win those two in my areas. But I still don't see them winning the division. I see the Colts winning the division. And wow. basically it's because... <laughs> right there. there uh, not, many people, not many people are picking the Colts to come out of the division. I mean, I got to trust my guy, Philip Rivers. And it's not because I don't trust Deshaun Watson. It's just that I don't know how much Deshaun Watson can carry the team around him, right? I think he is an incredibly talented quarterback, and I think he can do a lot with this team. And I think they can, he can propel them to a winning record, but winning the division is a whole other thing, especially when you have more competitive teams in your division now. You have the Titans and the Colts here. And I think when, you don't, when you're actively getting rid of your talent right there, when you get rid of a, a Andre Hopkins and you replace him with Brandon Cooks, okay, sure, you replaced him, but did you really, right? And then at the same time, I didn't think that the offense was the big issue there, right? Like you said with the Cowboys, I don't think it was the big issue. I think it was the defense that was the issue there. Because you saw what happened, right? 24 to nothing lead against the Kansas City Chiefs. And I know that, you know, Bill O'Brien basically choked it near the end with some of his decision making. But at the same time, they were already up 28 to 24 at halftime. It wasn't even like you gave up the entire game within one half. That's choking right there. And I don't see any major defensive changes here. Sure, you have J.J. Watt, right? But, you know, he's hasn't been fully healthy, I think, for the last three years. And you've got to question, you know, whether he can keep it up here. And then I don't like that secondary at all right now. Justin Reed's fine, but everything else is kind of just still shoddy. So I don't really see any kind of defensive firepower that can help propel this team. And again, I think that, you know, Deshaun Watson's great and all, and I think that the offense will be fine pending injuries. But at the same time, I don't trust that defense one bit. While the Colts got significantly better, I think, on defense. And I agree with you there about the Colts. I do have them in the playoffs as my uh, seventh seed. I think they're a great team. Um, I just, you know, at the end of the day, I trust Deshaun Watson more than Phillip Rivers. Mm-hmm. I know he making the big play won't cost me the game like Philip Rivers sometimes will. I know the Chargers lost a lot of games at one possession, and I think that has a lot to do with the quarterback play. I think old Philip Rivers could have finished those games for them, even though, you know, there's a lot of other outside factors that go into these games. But at the end of the day, you know, your quarterback has the ball, and he had the chance to win, and Philip Rivers was winning those games for them. 
And I don't think he's gonna win too many of them this year with the Colts, even though you know last year with Jacoby Brissett and Brian Hoyer, they were still a playoff contender. And I think you'll see a lot of competition coming from there just because of their sound system. I know you were preaching this other earlier, consistency. They're one of the well best coach teams, best run teams from the organizational standpoint. If you look at, you know, their whole GM, coach, and the way they always, you know, take care of their problems, draft it properly, build those draft players up, and they become household names. You only notice when they did, you know, the big example would be Darius Leonard, you know, leader of their defense, great inside linebacker, one of the best probably. And I just, you know, I have questions about their offensive power. Like I like their run game behind Quentin Nelson and uh, they drafted Jonathan Taylor. They had Mac returning now. But it's like your number one is T.Y., who's I believe in, but you know, he's getting up there in age. And you have Michael Pittman Jr. as your number two rookie, a rookie receiver out of USC. But I don't know. He's just not the biggest, you know, going to drop 25 a game type of offenses. And that kind of scares me for them because, you know, the great as your defense is, eventually someone's going to put a couple of touchdowns on them. Uh, I don't know if their offense will be able to – you know, hold up with the Texans twice a year and the Titans twice a year. So I got them at the seventh seed. Yeah. And I think just adding on just for the Colts here, I think that Philip Rivers, I don't think he's the same Philip Rivers as we saw with the very talented and fifth seed, unfortunately, Chargers two years ago, where they were, I believe, 12 and four, but they were the fifth seed. And you could argue that they were one of the best teams that year. I don't see that as, um, I don't see Philip Rivers as that same guy. I think he is a little bit older and you can't deny that there was some regression last year with the Chargers. But I don't think that for the first time, I think that Phillip Rivers won't have to completely carry his team. I think that they had, they drafted Jonathan Taylor so that him and Marlon Mack can share the workload and also can share the burden of the offense for Phillip yeah, Rivers. Yeah, but I mean, we've noticed even with teams that run first, like the Niners, you have to put the ball in Jimmy Garoppolo's hand and, you know, for the most of the regular season, he was able to cash in a lot of those games like the Saints and, you know, all those other games where he played big and that very clutch drives for them. And I just don't know if I trust Philip like that anymore, you know? And that's true. I think he made this move a little late in his career. I think maybe if earlier he came out to like the Indianapolis or something like that, he could have been more of a, uh, you know, a star and a bigger role in the offense. It's just, his arm looked lackluster, to say the least, mm-hmm. last year. And I think one thing we should cover about this division is both of us don't have the Titans repeating, even though you do have them in the, in the playoffs. I have them completely outside the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, you know, you're going to see a lot of regression from them, especially coming from um, the offensive standpoint. I think the defense has been very sound and, you know, what to expect out of them. They're not going to be the top five defense, but they'll be between five and ten. They have been for the last few years, and, you know, they got the right pieces. They always have it figured out. But just for me, their offense it seems like a very one-year wonder offense, maybe similar to Case Keenum-led Vikings. You know, you didn't see Case Keenum repeat that success on the second team. I don't think you're going to see Tannehill repeat that contract, you know, second contract now. I think they paid him a year earlier than they should have. I think they could have had another year, you know, it's easy for quarterbacks to fill in and have big seasons, but when you're starting the season and you're the one 
you're that guy, it's a lot different after you get paid. And I think they're going to take a step back very similar to the way the Rams did and be outside the playoffs. I think, mm-hmm. you know, Ken was on the same level as Goff. I think Henry will still have a great season. A.J. Brown's going to come down a little bit, I feel like. He had a, a enormous charge after the catch as a rookie. And I think he's led the league. And, you know, that's just not something you see um, a receiver doing out of the rookie season. So There's a regression know. to the mean there, right? There's a regression to right. the mean. And I think that with Tannehill, I don't think that it's completely in the case where, you know, it's a Blake Bortles situation and they just completely collapse. I don't think that's the case. Or, you know, with the Bears. Um, I think that, you know, in those cases, the quarterback was basically the weakest part of their uh, team. But you saw, you saw Tannehill, he made some pretty good throws out there. He helped that Titans team elevate to to the next level, right? And I don't think that necessarily Tannehill is going to be a game changer, right? He's not going to be this top 10, maybe not even top 15 quarterback here because that's just not who he is. That's not who he will be, right? It's mm-hmm. too late at, in his career to kind of make that jump. So, but I don't see him completely collapsing as like a Bortles or a Trubisky situation. I think he's just going right. to be a routinely average quarterback. And those I stats think it's similar to Goff or Cousins, you know, and I think maybe Cousins were where the peak would be and his floor would be like a Goff. And, you know, that's not terrible, but for the contract you're paying him and when you, you know, good contract comes extrications. There were no expectations for Ryan Tannehill. They traded him to be Mariota's backup, you know. So, and he had an amazing season. But now there's no Mariota there. You are that guy. You have to make plays. You got a lot more. You have to instead of go do what you can, you know. And I just I see Tannehill taking a step back. You seen the offense was led by Derrick Henry in the playoffs last year, and it's hard to stop Derrick Henry, which is I think an understatement. But you know. Drop another guy in the box, but Tannehill beat you, and I don't know how many times he's going to beat many good teams in the playoffs. It will be interesting to see if Tannehill continues to be able to make that leap into the next season. Speaking of people who make the next leap, (laughs) a terrible transition there, but we have a second-year player out in the NFC West that we're very, very interested to know about, Kyler Murray. Where do you see him and the rest of the NFC West coming on? Um, I think Kyle Murray is going to follow in the Patrick Mahomes, Lamar Jackson footsteps of being a second-year quarterback, and it's going to make that big step forward. Mm-hmm. He's going to have amazing numbers with the amazing offense around him. You know, you had Drake at running back, who in the last six weeks of the season was arguably the best running back in the season. Um, obviously, everybody knows that Christian McCaffrey tore it up all season, but Drake was with them in that last stretch of the season. Can you rep- replicate that? You obviously had a top three receiver from DeAndre Hopkins and he just got a contract extension. He's ready to, you know, fall out. He got paid, you know. As Deion Sanders say, if you pay, if you play good, you, they pay good. And they pay good for DeAndre Hopkins. So I just see their offense clicking. And I think they got a steal at the eighth pick with Isaiah Simmons, who is just a do-it-all time on Matthew, but bigger type of player, very similar to Jamal Adams. And that's the type of piece you need. You got Adrian Patrick Peterson, but still a good cornerback. And you have Chandler Jones, the most underrated defensive player in the league. In my opinion, he doesn't get talked about enough as a great one of the best outside linebackers, especially coming off the edge. Um, just because distant stacks and Buda Baker, another young 
free safety out there, plays kind of positionlessly. You kind of see what they're going for with their defense, young fly guys that are just going around making plays. And I just I think they're going to click for them, you know. Cliff Clingsbury, second year under the system with Kyler Murray. And I think it's going to just going to be full steam ahead for them. And I you know just because their division is really hard, it's hard for me to say they're going to win the division. Um, and I do have three teams out of the NFC West coming with the Seahawks, Niners, and the Cardinals. Uh, I just think that's the best division in football. And even though, you know, they all have to beat down on each other and the Rams, which is going to get beat down a lot, it's just, I think they'll all find a way to make the playoffs. Yeah, it really hurts me that I didn't get to put the Cardinals on this time. I do believe that there's going to be a jump with uh, Cliff Kingsbury and Kyler Murray there. They did the exact right thing that you would do there, get him more weapons. You got him DeAndre Hopkins, who is a bona fide number one wide receiver that never should have been traded. But at the same time, if you got him, now you have a weapon, a consistent weapon that Kyler Murray can throw to, and he's going to be able to dominate, and he just makes that offense that much better. Add in Kenyon Drake instead of David Johnson, I think that they're going to be a lot more dynamic. Cliff Kingsbury is getting the guys he wants for his system. And I see their offense being better. And I agree with you that Isaiah Simmons is a steal of a pick here and exactly right for the Cardinals because there's a lot of um, – they need help on defense, first of all. And their weakest spot was basically um, the linebacker the position. Yeah. and their little safety help. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, with a guy like Simmons, you're able to move him around. Um and he's going to be an instant, you know, starter and star in the league, in my opinion. You'll see a lot more players like Isaiah Simmons coming out. You've seen Jamal Adams first, very comparable to maybe like an old Troy Palomalu. You know, he played a lot of strong safety, but he also came off the edge a lot. He also played middle linebacker for Steelers a lot. So you're kind of seeing this more and more now. And, um, you know, speaking of Jamal Adams, you seemed to left the Seahawks out of your playoff predictions here. Why is that? Oh, did I? My bad. I think that the Seahawks, you know, I have been saying this every year, and this is not even an objective take here. This is complete homer bias take right here. I think this is finally the year, mark my words, that the Seahawks will finally drop out of the playoffs. You heard it here first. You heard (laughs) it here first. Because, and I'll just bring up one statistic here, close games, right? The Seahawks played an extraordinary amount of close games last season. And I think the margin of victory, and they define a close game as the margin of victory is like, I think three or greater, like three or less, I believe. And they played eight of those games last season. They let eight of those games be close. And they were seven and one in those games. And I think that one was the, uh, might've been the one at the Niners game. Yeah, I don't know what the exact score was, but I I just know we won. Either way, I don't mm-hmm. see that happening, right? I don't – There's. it's really hard for me to believe that, you know, Russell Wilson Magic will be able to keep on doing that because, right. again, you can't just keep expecting – and I think it's mostly because Pete Carroll because Pete Carroll is not letting that guy fly. And I, lo- I love that personally because, you know, love to see them fail. But – Yeah, you know, I know you do the same questions about their <laughs> offense and why they won't let Russell Wilson take full exactly. control of like the Chiefs and – Ravens and the Texans, you see these guys letting their young, mobile quarterback 
let the let the man go let the man exactly. do what he can and you know um even though i don't see them fully letting them go i do see them giving the reins a little bit more to him this year and you know i don't know if you're gonna act like this is not a pickup but jamal adams is a amazing pickup for their team mm-hmm. he is gonna be um he already is maybe the best safety in the league and you don't get those type of guys in the drafts anymore you're not getting to him with the Seahawks picks, you know. Those are late first-round picks. And year after year, they're consistently one of the best teams. You're going to see, in my opinion, the best rookie receiver from last year's draft, DK Metcalf, take a, an enormous step forward in his route tree. I think, you know, it's a big thing that people are like, he's only running four or five routes. Yeah, yeah. but you can work on route, what routes you're running. You can't work on being a 6-4 burner. That's, mm-hmm. not, that's not a human – that's just – that's not you can just work on. You can't just get, you can't just get bigger, get faster, get taller. You know, so you can work on your routes. And I think he, you know, has that motivation to get better. You'll see the Seahawks be passed more. You know, Chris Carson has been a little injury prone in recent history, so maybe taking a little bit off of him and putting it on Russell Wilson like he wants to benefits everybody. And you know, Pete Carroll's got himself another Cam Chancellor back there, but younger and ready to work. And I think you'll see the Seahawks for me. I have personally have them as a one or a two. Um, I honestly, if I had a pick, I'd have them as my number one. I just think this is Russell Wilson's year. Um, have him as my MVP. Okay. Uh, I think it's time people will finally respect him. I think they were two at the beginning of last year, but then kind of attention shifted toward Lamar Jackson and the ridiculous rushing numbers and passing numbers he was putting and then all the efficiency numbers. But I think this year you're going to see that attention staying on Russell Wilson from the start of the season to the end of it. And if you can get the one or two seed, I think there's no way you can't give him the MVP. I think you can't give – you have to give him the MVP if he gets in the one or two seed. If they make the playoffs and they have a pretty good, like a decent record, then I would still give Russell Wilson the MVP because I know that he would probably carry that team. I think the thing is with Jamal Adams, I didn't really want to discount his addition, but I think that in terms of that addition, it worries me because, and I'm going to be objective here this time, with Jalen Ramsey, you know, with the Rams, I wasn't too concerned about that when the Rams got Jalen Ramsey because their problem was not on the secondary, right? It was a part of the problem, but not really everything. It was mostly about the offensive line. The Seahawks, it's not about the secondary again. It's about. I mean, it could be their their secondary. The offensive line is but like. The secondary isn't the greatest. They definitely needed help, and you know, obviously they probably gave up a lot for him. But you just don't find players on like like Jamal Adams who are just finishing their rookie contract in the peak of their career, looking to be traded. And you know, say how you want. As a Niner fan, it's hard for you <laughs> to, to, to to say the truth. I, but I won't I be objective think, here. But yes. I, I you won't be objective, but I mean I understand it's okay. That's why I mean people won't kill us when they hear my opinion. Mm-hmm. But I just think you know, objectively, the Seahawks got better and they were already a double-digit win team. So I think it's fair for me to put them at the one seed. And you know, I mean you can think they may not gonna make the playoffs, but I think they're a playoff lock. Oh, I feel like they are gonna make the playoffs just because I said, <laughs> it. but. I, and one last thing, the defensive line here, I don't – it's hard for me to think that it's going to be the same as the Legion of Boom because even the Legion of Boom had Michael Bennett and Cliff Abel. I don't know right, who's the pass rushes for the Seahawks. Yeah. 
Yeah, of course, I don't think their um, defense is comparable to the Legion of Boom, but they got the first piece there in Jamal Adams, and now, you know, it's for them, to, they're on to make the next step forward. Um, I know a lot of people talk about the two to four teams coming out, two to four teams coming in. What that means is uh, every year in the playoffs, there's always around, you know, two to four teams make coming out of the playoffs that were ending last year and two to four coming in. Uh, for me, uh, the new teams I got coming in from the AFC, obviously everybody, me and Matt both got the Ravens and Chiefs, probably going to be one and two seed, however you see it. Bills are winning their division. Um, that's an easy one for both of us. Uh, we both have the Steelers in the playoffs. And, you know, this is where we start to kind of differ. We both have the Texans. You have them in the wild card, and I have them winning the division. But I also have the Colts in the wild card, and you have the uh, Titans. Where we're, The only difference here is I have the Browns in the playoffs as my seventh seed in the AFC. I think, you know, last year there's a lot of talk, talk, talk. You don't hear that now with the competent – Kevin Stefanski as their head coach, or their head coach, and Brad Kitchen's gone. You know, Kitchen's didn't wasn't supposed to be a head coach yet. He wasn't ready for the position. His success with Baker Mayfield was um, undeserved in the sense that he was still a rookie and didn't do anything. He had a great season, a rookie season when he came in, but you know, a lot of that had to do with just well, I mean, no one expects the Browns to be good. Yeah, and when we did, finally they went back to being not good. So I think this year. People are expecting the Browns to shit the bed. And the talent they have, I just don't see how they can do that offensively, defensively. They're stacked all over. And I had them be my wild card team. Yeah, and I kind of want to agree with you there because I don't necessarily hate the Browns this year. Because I don't – I think Kevin Spansky is a big upgrade from Freddie Kitchens. I think that the only – you know, two factors here. I think, again, consistency. I'm just going to favor the Titans over the Browns because there's less turnover there. And then at the same time, uh, they're the Browns. So I didn't really... You'll find I, I just suck it off. Exactly. I can't be hopeful about them. But I agree with you that the talent is there. I think they could take it up to the top. And I definitely see an improvement there. Yeah, and I mean, um, yeah. why don't you go over the NFC side where you'll talk about the teams that we have coming in and out. Um, just to let you guys know, we don't have the Patriots making the playoffs. No. Uh, the Patriots yeah. will not make the playoffs. I'm sorry, all my Patriot fans. I know you guys are probably in Tampa now. Bill Belichick's in shambles right now. He's listening to this. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> and then I think we differ a little bit. You have the Seahawks as the first seed. I have the Saints as the first seed. And the Niners is the second, Packers third, Cowboys fourth, Bucks fifth, Vikings sixth, Falcons seventh. You have the Seahawks first, Saints second, Lions third, I believe. All right. Which is crazy. And the Eagles fourth, 49ers fifth, worse. And then Buccaneers sixth, and Cardinals seventh. And I mm. think you left the Vikings and the Packers out, and I left the Eagles and the Seahawks off. I think let's start with you, G, with the Vikings and the Packers out of the playoffs. What do you think about that? Um, I, with the Vikings, I see clear um, drop off from last year. I think it's obvious. You know, Justin Jefferson's a great rookie receiver pickup, but he's not going to be the instant production, which is Stephon Diggs is going to be missing with his departure to Buffalo. You're going to see, um, you know, quick questions of Dalvin Cook's contract. That's never good for a team. Um, example would be the Cowboys of last year with the whole Zeke stuff. Obviously, eventually I figured out, but the whole Cowboys probably didn't help Zeke in the long run of that season, you know. Uh, 
I see the kind of same with Cook, you know, when it's a lot of talk coming out of training camp and about contract, 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 it's a headache and a burden over the whole team. And not just, you know, Dalvin Cook and the head coach, about everybody knows the body. And it's, a, you know, kind of there. And with the defense, they lose Everson Griffin, Xavier Rhodes, they're, you know, missing piece. They lost Linval Joseph. They kind of replaced some of those pieces, you know, with getting Anik Ngakwe. They got young players coming up. If it, the Vikings have always been a team where they make one year, miss the next year. I think, I think that's exactly what's going to happen here. If I had to make a foreseeable future, I'd probably make the playoffs next year. Um, you know, with another year under the system and more development on their defense with their young players like Anthony Harris and all the other guys that got out there. Um, I think they'll be fine, but they'll be really close. But I have the Lions winning the division. Um, I know that's a little crazy. It still sounds a little crazy to say because they always find a way to, you know, the Cleveland Browns with the AFC, NFC, they always fuck it off. Um, they have Matthew Stafford, who before the season, uh, his season-ending injury, he was playing great football. Um, they drafted, what was his name, DeAndre Swift, kicked up Adrian Peterson. That is a bona fide running back trio now. Carry on AP and Swift, obviously for fantasy purposes, is terrible, but... <laughs> For real life situations, which we're only talking about today, it is amazing. You finally get some help back there. You got you have um, Jeff Akuda, rookie cornerback, and you know if a lot of people think that the lines might be tanking, but their GM and head coach Matt Patricia and their GM I don't remember his name, but are both on the hot seat. They need to win and win this season. If they're not, they're both going to be fired, and that's a promise. There's no if and or about it. They're going to be fired if they don't win. And I think they're going to put it all out in the season. You might see the Lions go out and get a few more guys before the trade deadline. And I think they will because they have nothing to lose with their GM head coach. They're going to put all their marbles into this season, try to make playoffs. And their offense is really, really good. I really like it. Uh, I see Hawkinson, their tight end, take another step forward. And Galladay is a great, great wide receiver. And, and he, under when, when he plays with Stafford, is just another level. He was putting up numbers with David Blau, I think was his name. But yeah. with, with Stafford, I just, you know, that's an amazing connection. We've seen Stafford be able to beat receivers before. And I know I just want to address the Packers. I know people are going to be like, but the Packers went 13-3. and three. But the Packers are trying to move on from Aaron Rodgers. And I never, like the Vikings, I, Dalvin Cook, just when you have that other sideline issues ta talking and looming over the team, it never plays out well. I noticed that your team always loses certain games that you think they could win. And, you know, as a Steelers fan, with always something happening in the offseason a few years back with Le'Veon and Antonio. It always looms over the team, you know, until like last year, you know, when there's nothing that you could focus in on your season, we overcame, you know, our obstacles. And I see that's something with the Lions, you know, everybody on that team makes a win for their career sake, Stafford, Patricia, and their GM. But where the Packers, you know, Aaron Rodgers is thinking about leaving. They're thinking about moving on. They keep drafting positions that they don't need. Another running back in A.J. Dillon, even though Aaron Johnson was playing – or Aaron Jones was playing great last year. It's just, you know, that just looks like a team that doesn't want to make the playoffs. And with all those question marks and what they're doing, always trickles down to, for me, they're going to lose a few more close games. You make a very, very compelling argument there, G. And – I think I really want to believe you because I also have the Lions as a huge riser right now because it kind of like makes me think about the last year's Niners right now. 
They lost their quarterback to injury, and it allowed them to get a top three pick. Now they are able to get another stud in the defense, and now they're even more poised to make a run in the coach's mm-hmm. third season. So I think that, you know, I really do love the Lions just because I love Stafford and I love that offense. And I think that their defense, if they just make it a little bit better, they'll be able to do better. Because, and then the other statistic I want to bring up again with the close games, the Packers are another very favorable team who won a lot of very close games. True to the Lions, in fact. They never led in any of the time that they spent unless, like, until the very end of the game. I think it was in overtime and like with zero seconds left on the clock, they made game-winning field goals in both games to win against the Lions. So that's two wins right there. And if you flip those, there you go. There's the division right there. I think that and I think it'll be close between the teams. I think it'll look a lot more like the NFC East where there's only going to be for me coming one team making it out where all three will still be competing towards the end of the season. I think you'll see the Vikings drop out first in the race and then the Packers and Lions go head to head the rest of the season. You know, um, I'm really, I don't know if this is, I don't know, all my predictions are the most accurate one of the Lions making it, but I just kind of put it out there. And, you know, um, with the whole turnover thing, they're always going to be two to four teams. Usually it's closer to three to four. Two is usually pretty modest. Um, you know, we only have only a two each. I got the Vikings and Packers. You got the Eagles and Seahawks. Usually there's more, right? And with the whole addition of another seed, there could be another team that goes out to playoff. So we don't know what's going to happen and how um, COVID is going to affect anything, but we still want to make some Super Bowl predictions, don't you say? Oh, boy. Yep. I got my Vegas odds right here. So I'm going to make a couple hundred bucks here. <laughs> hey, everybody, write it down. Matt's going to let you guys know what the Super Bowl odds and which ones you got to take. And you're going to be completely wrong and come back and then why did you listen? Why did I listen to you, Matt? Exactly. Do you know why you're going to be wrong? Because I'm going home or. All right, here we go. We're going to go with the 49ers over the Ravens right here, 24-17. I do, I, there's no remorse here. There's nothing that I will take back. I'm going with the Niners here. This is their year, finally, during a pandemic season. That's the opportunity that they were waiting for all along, right? Of course they were. Exactly. <laughs> Shanahan was just biding his time. Oh, man, I love you, Niner fans. You guys are so biased. It doesn't even make sense. <laughs> uh, yeah, but, you know, I think – I don't think anybody could say no to that type of prediction. Ravens are a powerhouse in the whole NFL. They got maybe the best roster top to bottom. Uh, can't argue with that much, as much as I would love to argue about how the Ravens aren't good. But uh, 49ers saying there, you know, they're a great team. Just had a few gaps, lost Emmanuel, picked up. Ayuk lost. Uh, Buckner picked up. Um, King Law. King Law. There we go. And that's great management. That's what good GMs do. And John Lynch is the best, one of the best GMs in the NFL. And I am close to using with my Super Bowl picks. I got the Seahawks. Oh. Same division, right? Um, <laughs> I think I think Russell Wilson's gonna have a year. It just sucks he's going to lose to the Steelers in the Super Bowl, baby. Oh my God! All right. So it looks like we're gonna pick our home teams or our teams that we root for against our rival, our opponent's mm. rivals right here. <laughs> I, see, I see a pattern here. All right. <laughs> I'm yes, sure Gab yes. will pick the Patriots over like. And you'll pick the Patriots over the Buccaneers. <laughs> yeah. Oh, he man, would never but... do his man Tom like that. Yeah, of course not. He's, he's, he's not a Patriots fan. He's a Tom Brady fan. That's exactly. all. Yeah. 
but back to what we were talking about here. Um, obviously, as a biased Steelers fan, I'm never going to say that Steelers aren't going to make the Super Bowl. Realistically, it would probably be the Chiefs, in my opinion, but I got the Steelers, and that's pretty simple for me. Um, we want to just quickly, last thing we want to go over here is, you know, we always talk about the good, and there's not always just good in the NFL. There's bad in the NFL, and the Jaguars are a perfect example of it. I mean, they're in lockstep with it. Most of these teams that we have down here are. You know, we have the Jaguars. They're just actively tanking at this point. And, you know, the weird thing is that, you know, the team that always seems to intentionally tank never actually gets the first pick in the draft. Mm, yeah, for the most part, yeah. I mean, I would, I, would, I would not say the Jags are the worst team in the NFL. I think they'll be the second or third worst team. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the worst team in the NFL roster-wise would be and talent, everything. It's the Washington football team, uh, you know, formerly known as the Redskins. I think we have them written down as the Redskins. Yes. The football team, um, you know, they're nutritious. They cut the running backs. They cut – they have no receivers to cut other than McLaurin. They don't have a tight end, really. Um, other than Chase Young, they don't have much of a defense going. I don't know if they're even tanking for a quarterback or if they're tanking for a defense. I'm not really sure what they're going for there. I just – there should show. There's no way they can get Lawrence right now. I mean, why not? I mean, <laughs> I guess. But yeah, I mean, I think you're right about that. I feel very, very bad for the Washington football fans because they have to endure everything that the football team puts on the field as well as Dan Snyder's off the field stuff. So I don't right. like, yeah, there's just too much there. And I don't think that Ron Rivera will be able to change everything there. Yeah, I agree with you 100%. A coach can only change so much. He can change a culture, but he can't put what he can't change what's on what's what he puts out there on the field, because there's a whole lot of shit that's being put on the field out there. Um, I think you know just to briefly mention some other really bad teams. I think Bengals um, will look good on offense, but they're just atrocious on O line, you know, defense dead last in all the defensive categories last year. Didn't really address that. Obviously, they got Burrow, Higgins all these other offensive weapons. Their offense will have sparks and flashes, but will not be the year yet for them. Um, another team I think you could see really down there would be the Giants. Um, they're just, you know, kind of good on paper maybe, but they're still missing a lot of pieces on their defense. You know, they lost their cornerback, uh, I think it was DeAndre Baker. That was the name, right? The one yep. who had the whole scandal right now. Oh, that's yeah. A, that's, uh, I think he's different. released now. He just got yeah, released. He got released, yeah. Um, I think you've got one team on here that might surprise our audience here. Um, you want to go over this team? I don't think that, you know, it should be a surprise. I don't know why anyone sees the Bears as anything other than mediocre. Look, we just came from a situation literally last year where a team brings in Nick Foles, hoping that he's going to help solve the team's uh, struggles there. It's too late. It's too little, too late. You sunk yourself onto a bad quarterback for too, a little too long, and now your talent is basically declining. Your window is closing, and Nick Foles, God bless him for what he did to the Patriots, but he is not the solution at quarterback, especially when you have an even tougher division than the yeah. AFC South. I think it's just insane that they renamed Mitchell Trubisky as their starting quarterback for the season. It's just, you know, I don't care what's going on and how it's just – Foles knows the system. You gotta put someone different out there. I don't think Trubisky last maybe past week three or four. Mm-hmm. Um, they're 
I think they're a shit show. I agree with you, and I feel bad for Khalil Mack. Great, great player. Just waste of a talent out there. Um, you, and, I mean, you know, I think the Jaguars maybe might be the fourth or fifth best worst team. I think a lot of people have them being the worst team. I think they'll be very similar to the Miami Dolphins of last year where people are like, this team is just ass. But they're got a little bit of something going. I don't know, you know, like how many people are really following them. Probably no one. But I think Minshew might be starting quarterback caliber. Um, you know, I don't think he's going to be great, but he's he could be a level of golf. I think he's got that special something to him. He's got that swagger to him, you know. Maybe it's just that Johnny Manziel swagger, but it seems different when Minshew's, you know, he doesn't, you know, go out talking randomly. He just kind of got that swagger. He's got that, I know I'm I'm good in a starting quarterback caliber. So I think they could be sneakily good. Um, you see make him make Minshew's, Minshew make a lot of plays out there. Sharp's a great weapon he has. You know, they don't really got much going else on defense or offense, but for that reason, they'll be down there. But Yeah, and know. I think the Jaguars, like, you see, like, when you are on a tanking team, right, you – are going to get replaced. When you're a player on a tanking team, you're going to get replaced on that team. So you're going to try to play the best you damn well mm-hmm. can because Same you're with not the coach. Gonna, like, it's not about your accountability, right? Mm-hmm. Because, you know, I think a great example would be the Niners, you know, with those, all those guys that were on their team when they were tanking and stuff aren't there anymore, mm-hmm. you know? They'll get, get replaced if you're not, you know, showing production or showing worth on the team. And a lot of people in the Jaguars, you know, even though they're not a great team, they still pay people for playing, you know. If you're good, they'll pay you still. They got money. They got cap space. A lot of guys got to go out there and prove that they deserve their deserve it of that money, you know, and they're hungry. Same with their um, their coaching and their GM. They're going to be gone if, you know, they don't get their shit together. And it could be sooner rather than later. Exactly. And one more – one name I want to mention just so I can say that I called it first. LaVisca Chenault Jr. Man, yeah, don't sleep on him. Don't sleep on him. He's an offensive weapon. I'm telling you, the Jaguars are going to be so much of the Dolphins where you're like, they got some random guys that are just playing their hearts out. And honestly, that's all you really need. Exactly. So I think, you know, we can skip the entire season. Because you know we already nailed it down. Yeah. Um, There's no way we get a single thing wrong. Um, that's not possible. We definitely never gotten anything wrong before. Exactly. So, you you heard it here first. <laughs> you have any um, problems with what we said? Any questions? Always, you know, hit us on Twitter at Bay Bay Council, right? Bay Area Council. Yeah, I think it's Bay Council at Bay Council. Mm-hmm. And see uh, our picture up there, and you know, always mention us. Tell us about your predictions for the playoffs. Well, you think, you know, crazy. Tell me why the Lions aren't going to make it, and I'm stupid for picking them. But hey, you never know what's going to happen with this season. And I think that just be be unexpected for the unexpected, especially with the pandemic. I would say. Yeah, and let's just be grateful that we have a season going on right now. Right. Yeah, and I think that's a that about wraps it up so from all of us here at sports council i hope you had a good time listening and have a good night yeah thanks for listening